All right, we're going to go ahead and jump right into the word this morning. We'll receive our offering at the end of service. And um, <clears throat> for those of you who um, grew up in a traditional type church, and you know that we are, if we're worshiping in a gym, we're clearly a non-traditional church. <clears throat> but there are certain traditions, you know, that as Protestants, we tend to throw everything out. And there are certain traditions, especially during this season, that are important to bring us back into remembrance. Because if we don't have an anchor to the past, everything easily becomes secularized. And Christmas season, we, there, there's no doubting it's been commercialized. But I want to encourage you over the next four weeks, I'm going to be talking about the gifts of Advent. For those of you who... Like as I said, if you come from a traditional background, then you know what Advent is. You know what the season of Advent is. And if you don't know, if you didn't grow up in a traditional church, then you don't. You maybe you've never even heard the word Advent. But the word Advent simply means arrival, and it's where we, in celebration, we look back to his first arrival. We 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 remember. You know, I'm a big fan of like the Christmas hymns. And the Christmas songs, because they sing so their songs about his majesty, their songs about his first arrival. And, and I think that, you know, it, it wouldn't hurt us. I mean, I'm all, you know, Mariah Carey's great. But sometimes we need to hear some Bing Crosby. We need to hear some of the old Nat King Cole. We need to hear some of the ones that just sang Christmas carols. Because they, they're, they're birthed in faith and, and they, they're, 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 they're just take a breath, man, and enjoy the season. And so as we enter into Advent, the season of Advent, which starts today and ends on Christmas Eve, but of course, since we're non-traditional, we're going to go a little bit further because we don't have a midweek service. I'm going to minister to you four messages that have to do with Advent, the gifts that God gave us. At Christmas time. Are y'all here this morning? Yeah. Because you know the, the gifts that we give are really insignificant compared to the gifts that he gave. And so this morning we're going to be talking about the, 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 basic, the unwrapping of love, the gift of love. And we're going to kind of leapfrog off where we started last week. Because love, you cannot underestimate nor can you overestimate the importance of love the missing ingredient in much of our church today is love y'all here i mean we got all of the laser lights and the leds and all the things to entertain but to find a body of believers that understand that relevancy is okay if i chase one of these uh, little rabbits here I remember years ago when we first started, and, the, and I'll say this because I know what's going on, but the hardest thing my wife and I have ever done is give birth to RLC. The, nothing we've ever done, and we've started churches in, in communist countries, and it wasn't as hard as starting a church in Greenville, South Carolina. I never had any, I mean, people would show up at our church, and I'm not lying, people would show up when we first started, Steve was there, and they would show up because their church was praying for me to die. And they wanted to see how wicked I was. We had more opposition in starting a church here than anywhere else. And I don't know why I started going down that trail. And nothing was working. And I remember taking, this is back when I used to ride bikes. I jumped on my Harley and I went to another city to meet with a pastor who was very successful. And I sat down with him and told him how everything we've ever done in other nations worked and worked splendidly. And we're doing the same things here we did there with no success. And he began to talk to me about relevancy. He said, you got to be relevant to today. You, 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 you got to wear tight-fitting jeans, torn up t-shirts, get a tattoo, do something to be relevant. You got to shorten your services. You can't preach over, you can't have a service over 60 minutes. 20 minutes of worship, 20 minutes of announcements, and 20 minute sermon, and be done if you want to grow. And I remember jumping on my bike and riding back down Highway 11, crying tears. Because I told God, I said, God, if that's true, if that's the way it is today, if it's all about convenience and nothing about calling, I said, then you're unjust. Because you birthed me 150 years too late. I should have been born back when people loved you. I should have been born back in a time when people cared more about your presence than they did the comfort of the chairs or the, 
turning of the second hand. I, you should have birthed me 150 years ago. I could do without an iPhone, but I can't do without you. And I came home and I told my wife what I was told, and she said, if that's the case, then let's just shut it down. Relevancy is a key word today. Everyone wants to be relevant. But in prayer, it's amazing what the Lord will tell you if you go and you go into your prayer closet. Just pray in tongues for a while. The Lord told me relevance is irrelevant if it's not based on love. Love is the one thing in every age that has kept the church relevant. This is what he told me. Because every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl that has ever been born desired to be loved. Man was created to be loved by God. And when that love was lost from man's perspective, it never ended from God's. Man went on an unending search for acceptance. So when I'm preaching on love, I want you to understand that what I'm what I'm unveiling to you is the secret of changing the world. Each and every one of us who have been born into Christ, we've had the love of God poured out on the inside of us, and so you have what you need to change the world. It's not about whether you're the best singer on the block. It's not about whether you're the best preacher on the block. It's not about whether you ever build the biggest business in the world. What empowers you to change the world is your ability to love the hurting, the broken, those who have been disenfranchised and marginalized by life, your ability to go to the Samaritans, your ability to go to the woman who sits at the well and love as Christ loved. It's not about how you look. It's not about whether you wear tight-fitting jeans or a three-piece suit. That's not relevance. Relevance is do you love even as even as. And so today, as we begin the Advent season, we're going to be talking about love. And there's three words I want to throw at you that you'll remember, hopefully, from now until Christmas. One is celebration. Don't forget to celebrate. This may sound corny because it's been the, the true reason for the season. Don't forget to celebrate Christ. Because in celebration of the Advent, what we do is we look back and we listen to the words of saints of old. Some of you will remember this, not long after the Lord was born, and they had to bring him to the temple as they did all male children. And as they brought the Messiah to the temple, they met two people, Simeon and Anna. And if you remember, Simeon had prayed and was told of the Lord that he would not die until he saw the Christ. And when he saw the Christ, he held him in his arms and he said, now I can die a contented man because mine eyes have seen your glory. And then there was another woman, Anna, who had been married for seven years. And after her husband died, she decided she didn't want another man. She wanted God. So she gave herself to the worship of the temple every day. And the Bible says she worshiped in the temple every day for 84 years. And she too saw him. Now, when, see, when we reflect on that, then we realize that Christmas is truly something spectacular. Yes. Because that's when Emmanuel became flesh and dwelt among us and God answered the heart cry of humanity for acceptance, for love, and to be reunited with that divine connection. Is this okay this morning? So in celebration, we look back, and in anticipation, we look forward, because the one who came once is going to come again. And so as we remember his first arrival, we look in great anticipation to the realization that he's coming back again. And in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll jump on that later on, but when, when they... When the, the disciples asked the Messiah, they asked the Lord, what, what, what's going to be the sign of the end of the times? And he began to talk about a great falling away. One of the things he said is going to be a sign of the end of the times is that agape will grow cold in the hearts of many who profess to be Christ followers. You see, one of the reasons why we've got to camp out on love and really preach love and practice love is because there's nothing in your life that will be challenged 
such a, or as much as your ability to love those who are different than you. You want to know why you've been trespassed against so violently over the years? Because the enemy knows if he can stifle and stop your ability to love, he robs you of your potential and he makes you impotent in life. It's not, once again, it's not about your soprano voice. That may be impressive, but that don't change nothing because there's a hundred others that sing better than you. But when you can love even as... Whether you ever become famous or not, that's irrelevant because you will change the world. Because once again, everyone is looking for love. That's their heart cry. So in anticipation, we look forward. And then, of course, in participation, we enter into the spirit of the season. And it's okay to look at someone with a smile. Pull down your mask for just a second. Take a deep breath and don't breathe out. Just put it back up. But let someone see your eyes and your smile because they need it. Amen. So today I want to talk, having said all of that, I want to talk about the gift of love. Jesus told us love is the meaning of life. The greatest commandment, he says, is a commandment to love. But here's a problem. English is a very imprecise language love can mean a lot of things this is the reason why we got to study to show ourselves approved because in english i can say i love my wife and i love god and i love you but we ain't it ain't all the same i love apple pie cherry pie lemon meringue pie it ain't all the same you following me there's a lot of things we love we love christmas lights and we love ice cream is that the type of love Jesus said is the greatest commandment? No, this is the reason why last week, and if you didn't hear the message, you need to go back and hear it, that, that, that before Christ there was a missing word, a word that had never needed to be invented because no one ever loved agape love before. Everyone in the whole world loved based upon merit. If you do good to me, I'll love you, but if you don't do good to me, I'll hunt you down. I'll love you until you no longer deserve my love. That's human love. Human love has limits. Human love wears out. Human love grows cold. Human love looks for rewards, but not agape love, not the God kind of love. The God kind of love loves without guarantee of any return ever coming back. Do you know that Jesus Christ died for you without any guarantee you'd ever receive his sacrifice? The Bible says that while you were still his enemy, yes. that you had hatred toward yes. God in your heart and in your mind, he loved you and died for you while you were still an enemy. That blows the human mind away because ain't none of us ever been loved that way before. Agape love goes right past the love of mama. Mama don't even love you that way. And this is the even as. This is where he says the, the agape of God has been poured out within you. Now what you need to do is stir it up and bring it up and use it up before you die. Yes. Love every man. Love every woman. Love them all. Because that's what makes the church relevant. It ain't about the songs we sing or how many, how many instruments you You know, if you have a congregation that loves each other with agape and all you got on the stage is spoons... Come on now. See, you and, I need to get, you and I need to get our priorities right. We need to stop looking for entertainment and look for exhortation, edification, and true divine comfort. Is this okay this morning? I'm going to try to get through this bit so we can get into the word. The word love, listen to this, the word love in the Bible is often associated with breathtaking acts of trust and sacrifice. In fact, the first time the word love is used in the Bible, God puts Abraham's love to the test by asking him to make an unthinkable sacrifice. You see, biblical love is not a noun. If you look it up, if you Google love, it'll, it, the, the, it, the very first definition is a noun. It's a feeling. It may be passionate, but it's a feeling. It's a noun. But in the Bible, love is a verb. It moves. 
It moves out of its comfort zone to touch someone who needs that touch. Love is always in action. You following me this morning? So it's not a passionate feeling. I could go somewhere with that. I can love you and not even really like you. See, we get confused about this, that if I don't like everything you do, if I don't like your views, I don't like your taste in music, I don't like your political stance, I don't like these things, well, then I don't love you. Don't confuse a feeling with a verb, an action. There are people I don't like, but I love. And if their life depended on me to move, I would move. See, hmm. there are certain people I love, but I don't want to hang out with. Because I don't like the way they talk. I don't like their negativity. I don't like their outlook on life. I don't like where they're going. But I don't confuse my like with my love. You, you see, if you get that right there, it'll help you in applying this thing. Because many times we think, I got to like you to love you. There were things the Pharisees and the Sadducees did that Jesus didn't like but did he not love them he said i would have brought you in under my protection even as a mother hen does her chicklings if you would have let me but you would not he didn't say i would not he said you would not i would have even if i don't like what you do i would have loved you everyone say love 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 is the thing that is most needed yet it's the hardest because it's the most tested But if we understand that agape love is not a human emotion, that it's a divine gift, then it doesn't wear out. You will never hit the boundaries of agape. You'll never misbehave so badly that agape stops loving you. Hmm. In the Bible, love is an act, a sacrifice, a gift you give. Listen to this. Love is the fulfillment of the law and the perfection of doctrine. If I love you, I don't need a set of rules telling me how not to treat you or how to treat you. If I love you, my, if I love you with the love of Christ, then my doctrine is perfect. I know some of you are going tilt depending upon your background right then. Because we always equate doctrine with behavior and holiness. But if your doctrine doesn't birth love, if all it does is change your dress code, then that ain't doctrine. That's foolishness. Because it's never been about behavior modification. It's always, listen, even under the law, the... There was a time, a man, he was, the Bible calls him a lawyer, but he was a teacher of the law. Meant he was more of a Bible school teacher than a lawyer. He didn't practice in the court. He taught the law. And he came to the, the, the Lord and he said, Lord, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord said, well, you know the law. How do you read it? Everyone say law. Not grace. But even under the law, this man knew that under the law, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love others as yourself. Jesus said, go do that, and you'll have eternal life. And the man seeking to justify himself, because he knew he didn't do it, he taught it, but he didn't do it. So seeking to justify himself, he asked the Lord, he said, who is my neighbor? In other words, who is the one I got to love? Because there's got to be a class of people I don't got to love. You can't possibly be asking me to love everybody. So tell me, who is my neighbor? Who's the one I'm supposed to love so I can find out who I don't really need to love? And that's when the Lord began to tell him the story about the Good Samaritan. Y'all following me this morning? He began to tell him about a, a man who was out on a travel, and, and, and in his journey, robbers fell upon him and beat him and stripped him and left him naked and half dead. And then the Lord says that a priest came by, and the priest was too haughty-taughty and had somewhere to go, and his schedule wouldn't permit, I'm paraphrasing, his schedule wouldn't permit him to be inconvenienced in the moment, so he went to the other side of the road and whistled a hymn while he walked on by. 
And then after the priest came a Levite. And the Levite himself couldn't be bothered to be an agent of change in the life of the man who was beating and half dead on the road. And so he walked on by too. And then a Samaritan came by. A Samaritan was the one group of people that you had a right to not love. There was animosity, long, generational. Who is, who is those people in Kentucky that had like the, the feud going on? Hatfields and McCoys. It was like a Hatfield seeing a McCoy laying on the side of the road and goes out of his way to help him. And so he bandages him up. He uses his resources to bless the man. He takes, you know the story, he takes him to an inn and says, treat him. And when I come back, whatever my money does not cover, I will recompense you then. This was the answer to who is my neighbor. Now, see, the Bible says that if we say we love God whom we have not seen, and yet we bear in our heart a hatred toward men whom we do see, the Bible says we are, come on now, liars. That word hatred is, it means to cause harm by action. We would understand that in the story of the Good Samaritan that those who actually did the beating and did the stripping, they hated the man. Absolutely, got no problem with that. But Jesus is saying the priest and the Levite hated the man too. Now see, they would justify their inaction by saying, I didn't cause that. I didn't do that to them. I didn't put them in that situation. It wasn't my fault they're hurting like that. So why do I need to get involved? I didn't do it. Y'all follow me this morning. But see what Jesus is saying, the agape of God, when it controls us, we can't see pain and ignore it. We can't see hurt and ignore it. We may not be able to do everything Jesus would do, but we can at least lend a hand. We can put our arms around him and say, you know what? You're not going through this alone. I love you. I'm praying for you. And if there's anything I have that you need, it's yours. I can't be all of the answer, but I can be some of it. You, you follow me? See, I'm talking about agape here, but if we can look at someone in pain and not be moved, the Bible would, is this okay? I ain't trying to be cruel. But if we can look at someone in need and say, go your way, be blessed. <laughs> the Lord loveth thou it. But we don't do anything to help them. The Bible says, where in you is the love of God? Come on now. Even as, everyone say even as. See, God, he has set the standard so high. That apart from him, we ain't never going to be able to do it. Just like when Peter was really struggling with forgiveness. You remember that one? Well, Lord, how many times do I got to forgive these boneheads? Do I got to forgive them seven times? Because that's a real growth rate for me. I mean, that shows real progress. And the Lord said, no, 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 not seven times. Peter, try this one. Seventy times seven. And you can see Peter going, oh, my God. I got to forgive him like that? And the Lord said, yeah. And he said, so help me, Jesus. And yeah, I'll help you. Love requires our total dependency upon him because we're not, a, mm, we're not allowed to live like flesh creatures. We're not physical creatures that have a spirit. We're spiritual beings clothed in a body, and we're supposed to live from the inside out, not from the outside in. So this is the reason why we can go through a storm and never lose our smile. We can go through trouble and never lose our song because we're living from the inside. Because where is the kingdom of God? Is it over here? Is it over there? Where is it? He said the kingdom of God is within you. See, the, 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 what the world needs is to see this in action. Because the world's really not impressed by the laser lights. Because you can go, you go to Disney, and Disney blows away every mega church. You can't keep up with them, so why try? It's an arms race. You're going to lose. Right? It's not about all of that. It's about saints who don't look alike loving each other. 
It's about saints who don't come from the same background, loving each other. It's about seeing people that differ in unity. That's what all the world wants to see because in our culture, that ain't there. So when they come into a church and they see a black man and a white man treating each other as equals, they say, I've never seen that before. When they see us worshiping together of every race and every creed and every background, they say, how did you do that? How did you overcome all of the opportunities for division? And there's one answer, the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. It's not because I have evolved to some high evolution of humanity. No, no, no. It's because I've stepped over into divinity, which blows away all humanity. Because even as he is, so are we in this world. I got 12 minutes and six pages of notes. I'm doing a really bad job this morning. Go to 1 John chapter 4. Again, I want to say love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment not only of the Ten Commandments, but the six to nine hundred other laws that they added to it. Love is the perfection of doctrine. Because it makes me just like him. 1 John chapter 4, and I want to read verse 7 and 8 out of the New Living Translation. Dear friends... Let us continue to love one another. That word continue means to persist, to carry on. Even when you listen, love, it's easy to love those who love you. Come on now. You know, the Bible, Jesus said it this way. He said, if you love those who love you, what credit do you get? Even sinners do that. You got to love those who get on your very last nerve. You got to love those who give you every opportunity to turn your back. Because when you can love those who go to the other side, who wear out your human love, and you can still love them, that's proof you've stepped over into divine love. Now you are like him. You're walking like him. You're talking like him. Do you have the entire Bible memorized? Thank God that's not one of the requirements. I don't have the whole thing memorized. But my goal is not memorization, it's duplication. I'm not trying to impress you with my memory. I want to be just like him. And that's that's the goal that we all have, to be just like him. Mm. So let's carry on. Let us continue to love one another. Listen to this. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God. And knows God. But anyone who does not love. And everyone say agape. Agape. This ain't cherry pie love. This ain't lemon meringue pie love. This is agape. Anyone who does not agape does not know God. For God is. I love this. God is love. It's not what God does. God is. This can't be said of any other being in all of creation. God is love. God alone can lay claim to being love. Love is not what he does. Love is who he is. And his love is the foundation for everything. You you see, we'll misunderstand the judgments of God if we don't understand the love of God. And I've often said this to you before, that what a legalist is, everyone, are you listening? A legalist is someone who knows the actions of God but doesn't know the character of God. So you look at what God did, but you don't understand why God did it, and that gives birth to legalism and a false sense of holiness. And you think God did this because they were that. And when we understand that God is love, even the judgment of God begins to make sense. And when we understand that God is love, mercy rejoices against judgment. In the midst of judgment, mercy rejoices, because the love of God protects me against the judgment of God. And we'll go there in just a second. Is this okay this morning? Love, man. I think there was a group of four prophets once upon a time who called themselves insects. That's biblical because, you know, in the Bible they said they were only grasshoppers. But they called themselves beetles. And they said, all you need is love. That right there is high doctrine. All you need is love. 
Now, not romantic love and filial love and Pittsburgh Steelers love, but agape love. Agape love, the love that says, I'm going to love you for eternity because you and I have the same daddy. Is this okay this morning? Now, let's stay in the fourth chapter. Let's jump down to verse 16. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we listen to this, as this is verse 17, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence. Why? Because we live like Jesus here in this world. See, when you walk in love, you ain't got to be afraid of nothing. You don't have to be afraid of judgment. People want to prophesy Americans getting judged for this and Americans getting judged for that. If you're walking in the love of God, it don't matter who gets judged. You ain't. Hmm. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. And that word perfect just simply means it's, it's mental, it's moral, it's inside, it's outside, it's all-encompassing. It is who you are. It is totally taken over. Listen, when love, is this okay this morning, y'all get... When love gains the dominancy on the inside of you, you will have no capacity to hate. As long as you got a capacity to hate, you ain't filled up with love. You and I, our goal ought to be to be so filled with the love of God, we've got no capacity to hate. It doesn't mean you won't have opportunity. You just have no capacity. You love even, Jesus said, love even your enemies. Right? Those who are hostile towards you, you love them. I don't like them. But I don't confuse like and love. I hope you all are quiet because this is so deep. Listen to this. Let's continue on. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? Verse 21. And he has given this commandment. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Hmm. I wrote this down. Listen to this. Love never inflicts pain. Those who love will know the sting of pain, but they themselves are simply healers and helpers. You'll never hurt someone you love. You'll be hurt by them. Because love is the very, love makes you vulnerable and invincible at the same time. If I love you, you have the capacity to hurt me. This is the reason why many times when our love is trespassed against, we simply stop loving. Because we think, I ain't never going to be hurt that way again. And so we begin to build, we, we begin to build walls around ourselves thinking, you know what, I trusted this one and they did this to me. I trusted that group and they did this to me. And so we, brick by brick, we build a wall to protect ourselves. And what happens eventually is we discover these walls that we built have become our own prison. And now we can't escape. Because every time I was trespassed against, I put another brick on the wall. And the enemy has done this because he knows better than we do that if he can shut down this capacity to love and we think that the goal is to protect ourselves. Can I meddle a little bit? There's a lot of things I hear in the church today that simply are not biblical. I hear things like you can your own first before you can give. And I hear things about self-love. It sounds so good that you got to love yourself before you have the capacity to love others. And that sounds really good. The problem is you're putting your vision upon yourself and not on him. Cast thy eyes upon Jesus, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of faith. The Bible never, ever teaches that you've got to love yourself before you have the capacity to love others. In fact, the Bible teaches the exact opposite, that you're supposed to lose yourself in the love for others. And so when we accept a saying as if it was doctrinal or as if it was biblical and we think okay i'm going to focus on myself first and then when i get my act together i'll start being a blessing to others 
you're trying to achieve what only God can do through human means. And you know what? You ain't never going to have your act together because you're always going to fall short. But when we do it, seek ye first. Seek ye first in priority and prominence. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteous way of doing things. Then all of these other things will be added to you, but they're not added to you because you sought them. You sought first the kingdom of God and his righteous way of doing things. And the amazing thing about the way God does it is he'll give you wealth and he'll add no sorrow to it. Because you never had to trespass against another. You never had to step on their heart, their dreams, or their potential in order to achieve your wealth. He gives you wealth and he adds no sorrow to it. So when people say, how did you achieve what you achieved? It wasn't by loving yourself first and getting your stuff first. It was by putting the kingdom of God. Are y'all here this morning? This is Bible. And you want to know where the power of God has gone? It went out the door when love did. Because when people, know, when people get to the place where they only tolerate each other instead of celebrate each other, then miracles will cease. Because the atmosphere for the miraculous is love. I, mean, this is, I ought to be charging y'all tuition. This is like third year Bible school. But it's the truth, amen? See, we, we, we can never, you've heard me say this before. Ooh, I gotta hurry up. You and I can never live supernatural lives by natural means. We can never achieve supernatural results when we try to do it naturally. We've got to walk by faith in order to see faith explode in our midst. And faith works by, are y'all following me this morning? Love never inflicts pain. Listen to this. The heart is the life of man, but love is the life of the heart. Love makes a romance even out of the commonplace. Love will redeem a wasted life and transform it into beauty and usefulness. When love encounters the one who has been beaten, they don't see the wounds. They see the potential. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Too often we judge each other based upon what we know of each other's past. And we call our... Mm, I'm struggling with some of these things. We unqualify each other and sometimes even unqualify ourselves because of what's been done to us or even what's been done by us. And you and I need to never disqualify those whom God has qualified. And he qualified them by love, and he qualified you by love. So we need to quit judging each other and even ourselves based upon fleshly memories. Well, this was done to me, so I can never stand on that stage. No, no. If God has ordained you to sing from that stage, you will sing from that stage. Because you can never be unqualified. Hmm. Hallelujah, Father. Love is a spiritual thing. It is above reason and beyond logic, which is why it is often considered unreasonable and illogical. Listen to this. I got, I'm going to hurry up. I'm going to give you the rest of this because we got four services. I got, I got four things. I can't do part two. Love is the proof the unbeliever needs. John chapter 13, verse 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. The beautiful message you've heard right from the start is that we should walk in self-sacrificing love toward one another. What kind of love? Self-sacrificing love, one toward another. Verse 14, same chapter. Yet we can be assured that we have been translated from spiritual death into spiritual life because we love the family of believers. A loveless life remains spiritually dead. Oh my. A loveless life remains spiritually dead. Everyone who keeps hating a fellow believer is a murderer. 
And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we have discovered love's reality. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. Because of this great love, we should be willing to lay down our lives for one another. What did I just say about loving self first? Can you see that's the antithesis of this? Yes, sir. Everyone is looking for a safe place, a place that they can both love and be loved. Love is God's adhesive power that binds us together. Hatred divides. Selfishness divides. Lust divides. But love binds. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. One, one, one writer said that this word here, that, that this word fervent means to be white-heated or heated to the welding point. Have you all ever welded anything together? You get two, two things that they can't mesh. You can't put two pieces of metal together. Right? You, they just they clang, they bang, but they don't merge. But if you get each piece hot and they come in contact, the two become an unbreakable bond can be achieved when the individual pieces are white heated. And this is what the Bible says love is among us. That if we love one another, there's nothing that can be done that will break that bond. Nothing. That can be done. We'll break that bond. And that's what stands as a testimony to the unbeliever. Welded together in love. Now listen to this. Wouldn't that make a magnificent church? Fitted and welded together, fabricated by the Father himself according to his design. Love is the rule of answered prayer. Can you all give me a few more moments? 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. Listen to this. And whatever we ask, everyone say whatever we ask, whatever we, ask. we receive. Whatever we ask, whatever we, ask. We, receive. we receive. From him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Okay, simple enough. Verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us. Love is the rule of answered prayer. Now compare to that to a right, something we find in James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and receive not. Now John just said, whatever you ask, you'll receive. But James comes along and says, you ask, but you don't, you don't receive. And this is the only time I find in the Bible that we can ask and receive not. There seems to be one thing that will negate our asking. Are y'all here? Yes, sir. Some of you are giving me dirty looks. <laughs> but I love you. Listen, this is what James said. You ask and receive not. Why? Because you ask amiss. That you may spend it upon your... You ask that you may spend it upon your... This is not the word love. Now, lust often looks like love. And it can even masquerade as love until it gets what it wants. Oh, baby, don't you know I love you? I love you. Until I get what I want from you. Y'all are far too quiet. I love you till you give me what I want to satisfy my carnal desires. Then once I get my self-satisfaction, that love I had for you, ain't there no more. Because that's lust. Lust is self-centered, self-focused, and self-absorbed. Agape is other-focused, other-loved, other-absorbed. So when I am, mm, when I am thinking of how I can, Lord, if, I just want to be a bigger blessing. I just want to be able to give more. I want to be able to do more. I want to have more free time to be a blessing to your kingdom. God can answer those kind of prayers, and he can elevate me, and he can promote me, because no matter what he gives me, he knows that I'm willing to give it all away to be a blessing to others. He told Abraham, I'm going to bless you 
so that you can be a blessing. But now if my whole motivation is lust, I just want a bigger house, not so I can entertain more people. I just want a house that needs an intercom so I can ask my wife what side of the house you are. So I can impress everyone. God is under no obligation to fulfill my lust. But when I walk in love, he said, you can ask whatever you wish, whatever you want. When you're walking in love, you obey my commandments. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and you love your fellow believers as much as you love yourself. He said, ask me whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. Because I know if I can give it to you, I can get it through you. All right. <laughs> if we keep his commandment, prayer is guaranteed. Let's say this together. Father, I thank you for this great, big, beautiful gift of love. I thank you that your love lives big in me. That your love flows through me. In a big, big way. And makes a mark upon the world that is not easily erased. You can no longer, listen to me, I'm, I'm bringing this to a close in about 30 minutes. You can never be a failure when you walk in love. It doesn't matter what trial you're enduring. It doesn't matter what area you're in. It doesn't matter if you're in the valley of the shadow of death. If you keep walking in love, your days of failure are behind you. Write it down on the calendar today, November 29th, 2020. I stopped being a failure. Failure is now not a part of my storyline. I put it behind me. I will never, ever fail again because I determined to walk in love forever and a day. Mm. Hallelujah, Father. Okay, listen, one last thing. A sign of the end times. I told you I would touch this, so I will, and then we'll bring this to a close. One of the signs that we are near the end, according to Jesus, is found in Matthew chapter 24. Put up verse 12 on the screen, if you would. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Let me read you the same verse out of the Passion Translation. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. Jesus said this will be a sign of the end times. When you start seeing churches divide, when you see bodies of believers coming against another, when you see this church criticize that church just because they ain't this church, and when this church says we the people and there ain't no other people, we are the group, that's a sign of the end times because love is growing cold. Where once it was white hot and it welded us together, if it's white hot and welds us together, what do you think happens when it grows cold? It breaks apart. It becomes brittle. Now, any little thing will cause it to shatter. Any little thing. Whereas once before, you could have told me something and it wouldn't have affected me. Now, I'm easily offended. Now all I got to hear is that you don't like who I like. You didn't vote for who I voted for. You didn't do exactly as I did. And now I want to disown you. Why? Because my love for you, which was once passionate, has grown cold. Hmm. This is the only time in Matthew, this is the only time in the whole book that agape is used. And it's because it's agape love that will be challenged. That grows cold. Listen to this. The moment a church abandons love, the devil gains the supremacy in that body. Love is the greatest. And I'm bringing this to a close now. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 says this. But now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. One translation says these three are eternal. But the greatest of these is love. It is the love of our congregation that keeps our congregation relevant. So here's how we're going to bring this to an end. This Christmas season, what I ask you to unwrap and all of the gifts that you'll be unwrapping. 
unwrap your ability to love. Put it out on display. Take a risk to love again. And ask the Father to help you. In fact, go ahead and stand to your feet. I want you, I'm just, I'm trying to listen to what the Lord would. You don't need to say this out loud, but some of you have a hard time loving because you keep getting an image of them. And so I want to ask you, we're going to just have a, this, a moment of, I want you, between you and your God, to take a moment and forgive them. And I know there will come a day I'll have to teach on what real forgiveness is. Forgiveness doesn't mean you forget and you then submit yourself to the same thing over and over again. Forgiveness simply means that you release yourself from their hold. That you'll no longer be controlled from afar by someone who did something to you in the past. It simply means you let it go. So lift your hands to the Lord. I'm just trying to obey him right now. Father, I forgive him. I forgive her. I forgive them. I release them. And I release myself from that point of pain. I forget those things that are behind so that I can press on to a brighter day a greater future, a destiny that you have designed for me. So by faith, I declare you are forgiven. I release myself from your bitterness, your toxin, and your poison. In Jesus' name, I am free. Now we're going to say one other thing now that you've let them go. Father, in Jesus' name, I know your love is in me. For I believe your word. I've put my faith in Jesus. And I know you poured your love inside of me. So now I pray that it would bubble up. That, Father, you'd give me the ability to express that love. In meaningful, biblical, and significant ways. Father, I declare in Jesus' name, I'm a lover, not a hater. I'm a believer, not a doubter. And from this day forward, I'm a winner, not a failure. In Jesus' name, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Father. All right. Now, there's one other thing. I thought I was going to let it go. You can take your seats real quick. You will be dis-